Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Utah Jazz do it again. They beat the Indiana Pacers. Well, they don't do that again. They win again, like they've been winning the last month. Beating the Pacers, that's kind of a new thing. They lost in Indiana badly earlier this year. They lost to them twice last year badly. Uh, but they got the Pacers, and they thoroughly thrashed them, and they win by 30 points, 118-88. And I think there's a couple ways to go with this. If you're a positive, upbeat, glasses-half-full jazz fan, you're thinking, I thought they were good when they were beating bad teams. Now they've beaten a good team and easily. Sweet, this is confirmation. This is going to be awesome. I know a lot of you are thinking that, and there's a lot to back that up. Uh, There's some of you, some of you may root from other teams, may have lived in Southern California at some point. You're thinking, come on, the Jazz beat a team on the second night of a back-to-back. Big deal. And there's something to that. I mean, it's a fact. The Pacers were on the second night of a back-to-back, and they spent a lot of energy and emotion uh, winning that fourth quarter in Denver, winning that game in Denver, where they hadn't won since 2007. And it was a big deal. You can see the way they celebrated at the end. So not surprising that they didn't have it against the Jazz. But having covered the Jazz here for a long team and having seen a lot of teams come in on the second night of back-to-backs, what stood out about this one is the Jazz didn't win with the usual recipe, which is the game is closed for a half, probably two and a half quarters. You know, that team back-to-backs starts to fade in the second quarter, but halftime, you know, it revives them a little bit, and they go out and they play another good six to eight to ten minutes, but somewhere in the back end of that third quarter, they run out of gas, and then there's no help them, and the Jazz win that game in the fourth quarter. And that's not the way this one went. Jazz were up by six after a quarter, they're up by 12 at the half, they're up by 18 after three, and then they won by 30. They pounded on the Pacers the entire game. Honestly, I thought they got a little bored and lost their edge at the end of the first half. They were up by 17 and closed the half out poorly. They only up by 12. I thought it was going to be 20 at the half. Uh, that was a solid performance from the get-go. The Jazz played well. Sure, the Pacers... Um, you know, back to back, and they were tired, and they were gassed after the night before. But I don't think that explains all thirty points. Uh, a lot of good things happened for the Jazz. I think that uh, you know it was a big game for uh, Mitchell. He had another twenty-five points, and they picked him up full court, and he got irritated with that, and so he got all feisty at the end of the game. And fans love that. He also got a T. Um, and Rudy Gobert had a big game with twenty points and fourteen boards. But Conley made shots, and. You know, I think a couple things have happened with him sitting out here. There's probably several things going on. One, I think he's going to play better now than he did early in the year because, like Joe Ingles, he's going to benefit from better guys around him. You know, you go into the lane to shoot that floater or Joe to shoot that scoop layup, there's three or four guys there. It's hard to get a shot off. But if you throw it out to a guy who can't shoot and he misses, you're not getting assists, and pretty soon everybody's like, oh, the scoring's down, the assists are down. What's wrong? Now the bench is better. And now when you go into the paint, there usually aren't three or four guys there. And if there are, you can throw out to somebody who can shoot it, and you get an assist. So I think their stat lines are improving. Okay, and give them some of the credit, but I think you have to give credit to the Jazz making changes on the bench, and now they're not out there with non-shooters. And I think that's going to make a difference. I also think Mike benefits from realizing, watching the team win, hey, if I just do my thing, if I'm just me, I don't have to carry the load here. I don't have to be the guy. I don't have to be Superman. If I just go do my thing... This team's going to be fine because there's a lot of talent on this team. I think that takes a lot of pressure off, and you come in with you know big money, new team. You got to show them I can do this, and we're going to do this. And I think sitting out and watching that win streak, he's uh, probably not feeling a lot of that anymore. Just go do your thing, you know. Now some of you will say, "Oh, it's just one good game." It's true. In the NBA, you don't get judged on one good game and one bad game. It's what you do consistently over time. And Mike's a vet, and he knows that. And I do think I, I think it's going to work out with him. Uh, you know, to what level we can argue? Is he going to be good? Is he going to be very good? Is he going to be great? I don't think he's going to be awful. I know some of you are worried about that, but 
I don't think that's true. To what level he's going to be good, that's that can be determined. Good, very good, great. We've got to sort that out going forward. But I think the other thing that's going to benefit here is what the Jazz really need is his playoff experience. 56 games in the playoffs, winning four playoff series. The Jazz are going to need that. And so if they can get him integrated here in the second half of the season, then he can be that veteran guy in the playoffs and make big plays under pressure. And that would be the best-case scenario uh, for the Jazz. And I think the advantage of having missed all these games is he's less likely to be uh, you know, worn down by big minutes at the end of the year, right? He hasn't played big minutes. Um, he's, he's missed a little more than a month of basketball here, six weeks or so. So maybe he'll be a little fresher at the end of the year. Maybe there's a little hidden benefit there. For the Jazz, nice win over the Pacers. We'll get to the best of the postgame show coming up. But right now, I want you to hear from Royce O'Neal. He joined PK and I during the show yesterday to talk about the contract extension He's a great story. A couple U.S. colleges playing overseas, uh, off the beaten path in some cases uh, in Germany. And now he's made it. Four-year contract extension. Here's Royce O'Neal with PK and I on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Royce, good morning. Good morning. How you guys doing? We're doing well. So when you get the call from your agent, and even if you didn't have the deal at that point, but you knew their offer and you knew how things were going to work out, did you have a moment where you thought, wow, Denver to Baylor to Germany to Spain to NBA Summer League and the the dream it it worked out. Here you are. You're in the league for four more years for thirty six million. Um yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you know, like you said, once once he called me and told me, you know, uh, I got was just like in shock, like surprised, you know, because you know, just thinking about how far it came. You know, my journey and everything, like, I've been around for, you know, more years than NBA. Something I always dreamed of since I was a little kid. Yeah, obviously everybody dreams that, and you're living the dream. But I want to know from you, Royce, because you got to this point through your edge by grinding and giving everything you have. So how do you make sure you don't take that approach, wow, I've arrived? Because in order for you to be successful individually, you still have to have that hunger. Um, I think just, you know, it's just something I always grew up with, um, you know, playing-wise, always having that chip on my shoulder, you know, uh, always wanting to get better every day, and then always thinking that, or having that mentality that there's always somebody that's, you know, trying to come for your spot. But I think just overall, basketball, you know, for a living, wanting to get better, be, you know, be, become somebody in this league. You know, a big part of this deal has been your ability to learn to shoot the three-pointer. Every NBA team needs that. They're looking for guys who can do it. Your percentage has ridden, risen every year. You're in the mid-40s now. How many three-pointers do you have to shoot? How, what kind of routine do you have to have to learn to do that at the level you're doing it? I think just, you know, becoming consistent with it. You know, during the summer, I can't even count up the number of threes that I shoot, like, every day. I mean, and then, like, I mean, even now throughout the season, you know, every day, shooting at least 100 and just having that confidence when I get in the games and then shooting the ball, you know, being comfortable with it. Joe Ingles talks about how when he got cut by the Clippers, he was thinking, okay, that's it. I gave him my best shot, and maybe I'm not going to make it. And then we know what happens, and the Jazz pick him up, and he goes on to these great lengths. Along your process, did you ever have any doubt 
of whether you would make it? I mean, I don't, I don't think I ever had doubts, but like, you know, it was, it was times I was disappointed. You know, I was, I always felt like I was like close to making it. Um, you know, after like coming back from playing overseas to doing like uh, mini camps and then playing summer league each year and always being like right there, but not, you know, getting that opportunity. So it was like. I wouldn't say I always said that, but it was definitely some disappointment. But I always just, you know, kept my dream alive that I was going to make it one day. I was going to try to do whatever I had to do to get there. I just need that one shot, one opportunity. Well, you're not only getting this opportunity because of your work ethic and your individual success and stats, it's because you fit well into the team and the team is doing well. And we all know that this hasn't been the toughest stretch of schedule and you guys have been winning night after night. But the schedule is getting more difficult. There are more playoff teams ahead here in the next three weeks or so. How much does that excite you right now? And how much is it just, hey, it's the NBA, when's the next practice, when's the next game, let me know what time i got to be there for the bus? Thing is every like every day just waking up, you know, realizing that you get to play basketball for a living, you know, that's very exciting. And in every game is exciting, you know, uh, you going out there competing hard every day, playing with your teammates, you know, it's fun. And trying to win as many games as you can, you know, try to get as far as you can. And everybody working to that playoff goal and much more. Why didn't you want to test what could possibly be ahead of free agency and you wanted to, once they offered it to you, to go ahead and say, yeah, I'm going to make that commitment to the Jazz? Uh, I just, you know, thought about everything, you know, the situation I was in, you know, um, team-wise, you know, I feel like we have a great team that can, you know, be competing, you know, in the future of a couple more years, you know, for a championship. Uh, the guys that are you know, around me, being comfortable here in Utah, um, and then you never know what can happen free agency wise. So I, I mean, I feel really comfortable, you know, with the guys, the team, coach, uh, the front office people, and you know, just the opportunity that they gave me, you know, one to keep me here, and then for me to be around more than years to come. What do you feel is like your next big challenge? Uh, just keep getting better, you know. I'll try to limit myself or challenge myself like that. Think about it too much. Um, as long as I, you know, keep developing, uh, you know, keep being the person that I am, I feel like I'm going to get better. Well, Royce, congratulations on the extension. Four more years in a jazz uniform, jazz man for the foreseeable future. It was a long road, but a uh, heck of an accomplishment. Congratulations. Hey, I really appreciate it. There is Royce O'Neal with PK and I. When we come back, our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK and Steve Cleveland, our college basketball insider, joins us. 
He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Steve, good morning. Good morning. Steve, I can't help but notice with the uh, entire state all sorts of fired up about how the Jazz have been playing, what might happen with some of the big games that they've got to play between now and the All-Star break. The colleges are kind of getting off the hook because this, this isn't going all that well. That, that was a bad weekend. Yeah, it was it was a tough weekend for uh, for Utah and BYU. I I, I kind of felt like it would be a really difficult task for BYU to go up to Gonzaga without Yoli and find a way to win that game. Uh, you know, obviously Utah State lost in in ways that we you just those those are the kind of nightmares you have as a coach losing a game like that. And then of course Utah, Arizona State played better than I thought they would play, and we knew Arizona would be pretty good. So they've all got to kind of get back up and and, and get back after it. And uh, but I I don't know I, I for someone that was in college basketball for a lot of years. I've kind of fallen in love with the NBA over the last couple of years, and, and, and certainly for those that are Jazz fans, you got to be really excited about what's happening. But uh, the NBA is so much fun. I mean, there, there's, there are great games every night. I mean, it doesn't matter who's playing, and uh, it's fun, fun to watch. How does Gonzaga every year just reload and have a slew of great big men, no matter what year it is, no matter what part of the world they come from, somehow they end up in Spokane, and he's got, speaking of few, he's got like three guys that are just better than your guys that are up front. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, uh, that, that program is so connected to, to the world, and, and a lot of it just stems from you know, connections from assistant coaches and from Mark and the establishment of a program. And so, you know, success breeds success. And, and you just but by making those connections and being so successful with them and getting them to the next level, that's a huge piece in recruiting. I mean, a lot of people talk about it. Yeah, you know, we're going to develop you and get you to the next level. But they actually do it year in and year out. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one, it's two, it's three guys going to the league. And they're not necessarily superstars in the league, but they're guys that uh, are superstars in college and find a way and find a niche in the NBA. But I think the, just the past success has just basically established Gonzaga and Mark and, and his assistants. And he's got guys that have serious international connections, and they do find those guys. But I think over I – mean, it wasn't always like that, but the last five to ten years – uh, you, you, I mean, last year they lose four starters. I mean, they lose guys. In fact, they may have lost five starters because Tilly, Tilly was hurt. But at the end of the day, you lose four starters from a really good team, and you think, okay, there's going to be a little bit of a rebuild. There's never a rebuild. It's kind of like reload, let's go. And, uh, and they're well-coached and got a great environment, and there you have it. And that's why that's why they dominated this league. Um uh, and probably will continue to do so uh, until Mark leaves. You know, bring a new coach in, maybe with not quite the same connections, and uh, it, it could change. But I don't see that happening in the foreseeable future. So what you say about Gonzaga, I hear that, and then I think about the Utes, and I think, well, they had a Sweet 16 team, and then Larry Kristoviak had a second-round NCAA team. And, okay, they did need a little bit of time to rebuild, 
but they've missed the tournament three years in a row. It looks like they're going to miss it four years in a row. They are dead last in the Pac-12. And when they beat Kentucky, and PK will tell you this, I'm all sorts of excited, like, okay, they got something. Maybe they don't have everything. There's a little bit of a one-off to it, but there's no way I thought they were going to lose five of their next six. And I know some of those games were really hard because they're good teams, but ASU's not a really good team, and ASU thumped them. What is going – how do they get on track there? What is going on? You know, I, I think, number one, their margin for error is really slim here, okay? They, they've got five or six – I mean, they're playing really six or seven guys. And if two or three of those players don't play well – I mean, Jimmy Allen's been pretty consistent, but everybody else has kind of been up and down where they'll have big games. And there isn't the consistency from the – I mean, they just don't have the depth that – with the experience, the experience and the talent – in terms of the depth of that team, they're so young and so inexperienced. And you tend, as a coach, you go with the six. By this time of the year, you're going with the six or seven guys that have kind of made baskets and you can trust and, and know that uh, and these are the guys who we're going to go with. And they've just been inconsistent. And, and, and being on the road, anyway, I don't care where you are on the road in America, it's difficult. And, I, yeah, that Kentucky game was kind of a tease and, uh, just some of the wins. I mean, beating BYU at home. I mean, there, there's reason for optimism. And then you you go there and you drop three. And and, and Colorado is good. And Arizona is good. We know that they're not. They're, they weren't going to beat those people on the road no matter what. But you're right. ASU is a game you feel like that's a winnable game. And so you've got to look at this week and say to yourself for the, for Utah and whether this program is going to kind of get back rolling and continue to get better. That Washington and Washington State. Washington's two and four. Uh, Utah State's three and three. Washington was picked early to be pretty good, but I think it's imperative this weekend that Utah find a way to beat both of these teams, and then then it, it gives them a little more confidence and get back into there where maybe they can win a game on the road. Uh, but right now, uh, the, the, it is a situation where confidence is is probably real difficult when you got so many freshmen. Uh, where you're really having to work off the court with these young men and keeping them positive. Uh, I, I do believe there's a core group of guys here and a core group of guys coming in next year that the, the things will turn. But this weekend is a big weekend for Utah. I mean, they've they got to be hungry and mad and upset and just focused and uh, find a way to kind of turn this thing around. And, you know, all of a sudden you're 12 and 7 and 3 and 4 and you feel a little bit better about yourself and you sleep better. <laughs> Everything's better. So uh, they're going to be hungry. I, I mean, they've got a chance to win both these games at home, and, and they need to. So when you look at the Jazz, the thing that really jumps out at me is the composition of the roster. And the reason why I bring this up is because they announced over the weekend that Royce O'Neal has been signed to an extension. And Royce was a guy who goes to the University of Denver. Then I think his grandfather was ill and he transfers down to Baylor near his home. And then he goes overseas and then he tries to go in the G League. And we know his story, right? And you look at Joe Ingles, who was out there for years and kept getting cut. And now he's playing at a... I I made this statement that if you look at Gobert and Mitchell... Two guys, to a degree, were overlooked themselves. Uh, they likely would be on the all-star team. And then you look at, so the next, if they had a second group of all-stars, which they don't, but Engels and Bogdanovich would be on. And even Bogdanovich was a second-round pick. So my point for you, you got all these guys, and none of them 
are in the top two or three, and none of them were projected to be superstars and all this stuff. So what's going on that this team, this organization, has been able to pluck a couple of guys, still first-round picks in Gobert and Mitchell, but not extremely high. And then you got two guys who were basically undrafted in Bogdanovich. And what's going on with this organization that they can find these guys and develop them to this level? You know, I, I mean, I think it starts at the top. Um, it starts with the, you know, a unique understanding of, you know, how you put guys together that where you develop that kind of chemistry. You know, everybody always, always talks about, you know, team chemistry and what is that. And, well, you know, it's kind of the byproduct of a really good culture. And, and one of the things that's happened, that entire organization has obviously done their due diligence in terms of understanding and knowing what their program has and what they need and what fits and what piece fits here and what piece fits there. And I, I mean, it's hard not to talk about team chemistry when you talk about these guys. Now, team chemistry doesn't make baskets, but the, everybody in this league is really good. I mean, sometimes we look and we think, well, you know, they're going, they're going to play this team or they're going to play that team and they're struggling. And I mean, they, they all got eight or nine guys that play professionally and, and certainly are, are capable of, you know, winning a game on any given night. The thing I love about what they've done over time is is that they have put a group together and surrounded. I mean, Don, you're right. Donovan Mitchell uh, was a pretty special college player, but nobody thought or saw him coming out and having the kind of impact that he had. But the guys that you like, the Angles, the Bogdanoviches, the Jordan Clarksons, uh, who who were not big time guys coming out of college. They they've bought in, they've got them to buy in, and 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 the the chemistry is so good that the sum of the parts is better than the end. And I, don't get me wrong, they got they got really good players. I mean, go, when you're Gobert and Mitchell are all stars, that means they're pretty special. They are special talents, but they're 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 not the you know the top the top two or three elite guys. Or, you know, it's, it's not LeBron, it's not Doug. You know, it's 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 good players. And they just found a way to play again. You got to give the coaching staff, you know, you got to give upper management, everybody credit for this because they, everybody's kind of bought in. And it's a selfish game, you know. I, you probably saw that thing the other day with with JJ Redick talking about, you know, social media and how guys are, are, are in the locker room and doing things. And you know what? I'm, I'm not saying that the Jazz, but the Jazz aren't the kind of group that's coming in at halftime picking their phones up and trying to figure out how many likes they got. I mean, they have a mature group. And, and they're all in, and there's just a culture there that I think has played a huge part in this. Uh, besides some, sometimes you've got to get a little bit lucky, too, you know, with a guy. And uh, I, I didn't, uh, you know, just what a great move getting Jordan Clarkson. I mean, my goodness gracious, they may have lost three or four other games if he's not playing because he's, he's been a huge part, averaging 15 or 16 a game. And, and that, the offseason trade for Bogdanovich, who is going off pretty much every night. So it, it is something that's really special to, to watch and see and be a part of. Uh, but those are some of my thoughts. But I, I just believe that talent is never enough by itself to be elite. It just isn't. And they have uh, a culture that has developed a team chemistry that's second to none in the league. 
because you were so heavily involved in college basketball and then you served a mission for three years, you know, we can see where you didn't have the opportunity to follow the NBA. And now you've got more free time and you're following it and you're enjoying it big time. And one of the things that I think you've got to be amazed on, and I want to get your thought, is watching LeBron James at 35 years of age still do what he does. It's an absolute marvel in my mind because you look at some of the great players that are of our generation. Magic wasn't playing. You know, Jordan, when he won his last title, people think he was an old man. He was 34 years old. He was only 34 years old. And then he sat out. For a what two or three years, and he came back. Yeah. And Larry Bird, I, I don't even think he was he was hardly even walking at that age, right? And so then you look <laughs> yeah, at what exactly. LeBron is doing, and it's just absolutely amazing. And I know you are a basketball purist. You just gotta you gotta love watching him play ball. I, I do. You know. You know. I, and I know there's a lot of LeBron haters and and, and coaches. You know, especially when you're coaching this game in college or in, in, at whatever level. You, you, you kind of focus on your team, but from a, from afar, I, I have always loved LeBron. I, I mean, I loved LeBron when, when Cleveland. That was one of the happiest moments. I'm, I mean, I, I'm not. A, I've never been a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, but but at the end of the day, to watch what he did there, and, but I, I completely agree with you. And the thing that's just been amazing to me is how he can transform his game and put himself in a situation where he's a primary scorer. Or where now he's he's passing the ball and he's playing the point, uh, and he's just been so durable. And and there's a lot of reasons people don't like people, but for me, I mean, he's the essence of this league. Uh, and, and to see what he's doing there with the Lakers, and obviously when Anthony Davis is there, they've got they've got a good team. But you know, this is a team is just kind of put together. I mean, you talk about the years of chemistry, the years of building a culture. I mean, the Lakers haven't had a culture in in ten years. I mean, it has been non-existent. And LeBron comes in there, and, and I think you're going to give credit to Coach Vogel. I mean, I mean, who can't coach LeBron and Anthony Davis? But he must be pushing the right buttons and doing the right things and understanding individuals and what their needs are and keeping them together. Because even though they have – I mean, for him, for Coach Vogel to keep that group together as they've done uh, in, in his unique coaching style – I mean, it is pretty incredible because that was a really volatile, volatile place. And, I mean, from the GM down. And LeBron has just been the steadying force there. And, uh, you know, whether it's defensively or offensively, uh, he, it's, it's the best I've ever seen him with his teammates. And uh, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, it, it's just a he's a phenom, and that, unlike anybody that we'll probably ever see again. And, and the thing is, is this, this game, it, it wears and tears on you. That's the incredible thing. At 35 years of age, to be able to do that and do it at that kind of level, he's taking care of his body. I mean, he's really taking care of his body and done the little things off the court. And, you know, it's hard for me because I'm really close to Paul George. and But I have been a Laker fan my whole life. And to see LeBron go there, having grown up in Southern California uh, and being a Dodger and a Laker fan, uh, it's hard for me still not to pull for him. Uh, and so I have to deal with that when they play the Clippers. But uh, I love what LeBron's doing, and uh, he's got a heart, man. He has got a big heart. And sometimes he says some dumb things and does some things through social media that are a little quirky and crazy. I don't even know why he deals with any of that. But, 
And there's nobody on the planet better than him. I mean, uh, there, there's guys maybe they're a little bit better offensively, defensively, but in terms of how he impacts the game, nobody's better than he is. Steve, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. There's our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. When we come back, the best of the Jazz postgame show. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz just blasted the Indiana Pacers, 118-88, to a 30-point win. Yes, the Pacers are back-to-back. Yes, they've been at elevation in Denver and now in elevation in Utah, and that's a problem. But most teams that come in on the back-to-back, they play well for two or three quarters before they run out of gas. The Jazz won the first quarter by six points, won the second quarter by six points, won the third quarter by five, and then uh, blew it wide open in the fourth quarter. It was a dominating performance from start to finish. you got to give the Jazz some credit for that. I know the Pacers, that wasn't them at their best, but that's pretty solid from the Jazz right from the get-go. Here's the best of the postgame show. Dominating victory tonight for the Utah Jazz as they knock out the Indiana Pacers 118-88. to Jazz led by 12 at the break and really just cruised to an easy victory tonight uh, by the tune of, again, 118-88. to 25 points from Donovan Mitchell and a 20-point 14 rebound performance from Rudy Gobert as they outclass the Pacers, frankly, in every way, shape, and form. Let's get to your postgame recap. First off, let's from the head coach of the Utah Jazz, Quinn Snyder. Every time the Pacers would kind of cut into the lead a little bit, you guys were able to throw together a run of their own. Um, Do what? It, it seemed like every time the Pacers cut into the lead, you guys were able to throw together a run to kind of expand the lead again. Uh, what made what what made you so effective at uh, being resilient tonight and, and uh, coming through in those situations? Well, I think we, we didn't give up second shots, for one thing. Um, and you know when they did go on a run, our, our defense you know stayed stayed solid. I thought um, there were a few times offensively where we um, weren't as strong with the ball as we needed to be, and that's you know Indiana's they're quick and long and, and they have size. So um, you know credit them with making some plays, but I thought for the most part um, when you're consistent defensively, you give yourself a chance to. Um, for good things to happen and obviously you know I thought you know Mike started to find a rhythm tonight which was good to see and and some of those kind of run stopping plays were some shots that he hit Um, but for the most part I thought just defensively as a group um, we were good and uh, like I said we did a good job on the boards which was really important. Quinn, you had uh, 21 turnovers, but they only scored 16 points off mm-hmm. of that. I guess that says a lot about your transition defense. You guys don't ask us any questions when we have 10 turnovers. <laughs> the uh, we, we, we were not as sharp with the ball as we needed to be. Um, and those live ball turnovers, um, you know, I thought there were a couple times we could have fouled to stop the break. Um, but for the most part, guys really recovered well and got to the next play. I think that's, you know, when you do make a mistake on either end, you know, your ability to kind of put it behind you immediately and and try to make a play on the other end, and we were able to do that. Quinn, that lineup that you had to close the third quarter, I think it was uh, 
Royce, Boyan, Tony, Jordan, and Mike. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's obviously not a lineup that you've been able to use because Jordan's new and Mike's just coming back. But is right. that what do you see out of that lineup? Well, I think the, the clock went. Um, usually Donovan's playing during that time, and this time it was Boyan. So I think, you know, for us, um, with different guys, with JC, um, with Mike coming back, you know, we're going to see some some different lineups. And the key thing for that is, you know, whoever's on the floor, all five guys got to defend. And um, as they get more comfortable playing with each other, um, I think we'll continue to get even more efficient. Tonight, what you see out of it? With, with that lineup, yeah. pretty good basketball. I thought they went on a little run at the end of the third quarter, to be honest with you. Um, I thought we got a little tired, Boyan in particular. Um, but again, it's a lot of times those things are going to happen because of timeout situations and things like that. And, um, you know, I thought Tony did a really good job with that group, and uh, that really anchored them too. You guys may have, uh, you guys had bogey guarding Miles Turner for a lot of the game, and, and how did, a couple other like maybe things that you might think were mismatches, but didn't turn out to be. What what did you see from kind of that first attempt? Yeah, well, Boyan guarded guarding Miles um, the first time we played him too, um, and we feel real comfortable and confident with Boyan um, taking a matchup on the post. I think he. Um, <coughs> You know, did a good job of not fouling and just make someone make a tough shot over you. Um, so it's, uh, you know, th- there's going to be times when people try to play matchups and whether we chase a matchup and try to defend, you know, prioritize what, what we want. And, you know, Royce on, on uh, Malcolm Brogdon was, was a priority early in the game because of his size. You know, he's such a good player and um, it's hard to speed him up because he's so strong and so good with the ball. There's Quinn Snyder addressing the media after the Jazz get the victory tonight. It was brought up about turnovers. Yeah, the Jazz had 21 turnovers in the game tonight, and they gave up 16 points off those turnovers. Uh, But, you know, the other thing that, frankly... As uh, we talked about on the post-game show, and Ben Anderson brought up a really good point. Jazz turned it over 21 times. It wasn't their best game, but may have been one of their best victories. And it kind of shows you the potential this team has, even on a night where they're not playing their best, and they still win by 30 against a high-level Eastern Conference team. Let's go to your two-time defending uh, defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert, as he addressed the media. We haven't beat these guys for a little bit, so we really wanted to come out ready tonight. Did it feel different beating a team that's <coughs> than maybe it has a little fun beating teams who are lower in the standings at all? It doesn't feel different. You know, every every team is a is an NBA team. Um, you know, some teams don't have a great record, but they, they still uh, they still beat some good teams. And we never want to be that team that gets beat. You know, it doesn't matter who we play. So we try to come out every night with a with a high level of urgency and focus. Seems like you played aggressive defense without fouling. Only 11 total fouls in a quarter. That was really what we wanted to do. Don't give him any free throws and uh, don't give him anything at the rim and don't give him any rebounds. You know, I think we did a great job doing those three. We had a few turnovers, but they didn't hurt us because we were able to, to run back. So, pretty good game for us. Winning is, winning is a lot of fun, but does dominating do something different for a team in terms of its confidence, just another level of it? I mean, we, we just can see the, the level that we can attain, you know, against, against a good team. Playing, coming off a back-to-back is true, but, uh, you know, it's still a very good team, and they've beat... You know, I think they're going to be one of the best teams in the East this year. And, you know, it's uh, it's great to see that we're able to keep playing four quarters. And it's encouraging. We've got to keep, you know, keep all of our focus the same way. And we're going to keep getting better. 
Yeah, you know, he's, I mean, he's, he's finding his rhythm back. He's been out for a while, but uh, you know, we know we know what he can bring to the table. It, it's all about him finding his rhythm, and I feel like today he did a pretty good job doing it. Offensively early against a team who's really good defense. I mean, we're just trying to move the ball. You know, we know that we knew they were going to collapse the paint every time, I, especially on the pick and rolls. Every time I roll to the basket, they were going to take away the the easy dunk. So we just had to move the ball, and you know, guys did a great job doing that. And it opened up the paint for you guys. Uh, Twenty of your twenty-nine points in the first quarter came in the paint. You had sixty overall as a team. That's what we want to do, you know, attack the rim. And we know that when we do that, it opens up the threes. And we got a lot of guys that can make those shots consistently. You know, and that's why I think we pretty tough to guard when we when we move the ball. Tony seems to be getting more comfortable off the bench every game. I don't know. When he, when he got in the game, he didn't know what team he was playing for. <laughs> but he's getting more comfortable and he's, he's getting a lot better. The, the, the bench in general, uh, you know, Mike Conley obviously provides that spark as well. But um, what do you see from them in terms of their improvement? I mean, Tony's improved. I feel like he's been improving every, you know, every week. Uh, just getting the experience and, you know, being able to, to get that toughness, get get to fight against the best bigs in the league. You know, I think it gives him a, gives him an edge, and you know, he knows he knows that we're gonna need him. You know, in order for us to to beat the very good teams, and uh, he's been taking up the, the challenge. You know, he's been he's been working his ass off, and and I can see the improvements. You know, we all can see. It. All right, guys, that's Rudy Gobert. Let's go back to you. Jazz get the victory. Final score, 118-88. to Let's continue on with your post-game report. Here's George Niang with the media after the W. He's into, you know, more winning streaks or whatever you guys call those things. In the first quarter, you guys had 20 out of 29 points in the paint. Okay, yeah. Finished with 60 in the paint overall. How, how much did that kind of set the tone, what you did inside in the first quarter? Yeah, I don't think this gets addressed enough. You know, Rudy does a great job of, you know, setting screens and rolling hard to the rim uh, every time. And, you know, he does a job that not a lot of – Get paid. Uh, um, so Rudy does a great job that, you know, is not exciting to most people or outside of our locker room or, you know, basketball, knowledgeable basketball people know, but, you know, he sets screens and he rolls and that creates opportunities for guys like me to get shots in the corner for Joe to get on the rim. And Rudy was just dominant in the, in the first quarter of doing that, getting downhill and really... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and really, you know, sucking in their defense and uh, really making us a dynamic offense. What was the key defensively for you guys tonight? You hold them to forty-one percent overall and like twenty-seven percent from three. Yeah, you know, coach really does a great job of you know dissecting a great game plan for us to go out there and execute. You know, I really want to make their guards think they have a dynamic big and Sabonis that you know really wants to get going in a pick and roll, and we tried to take that out with. We call it late switching, you know, for basketball knowledgeable people. But, um, yeah, so I think we did a great job of that and forced them to take shots out of their comfort zone. You mentioned Rudy does the stuff that, you know, may not always be exciting and all of that. But do you sense because he's galvanized by those things and enthusiastic about those things that it impacts his teammates to be the same way? Yeah, you know, whenever you can find a guy of Rudy's caliber that wants to do the little things because he loves winning, 
Um, those things are immeasurable, and I don't think people understand how valuable he is to this team um, with screen setting, with blocking shots, of being the defensive player of the year, anchoring our defense with his talk. Uh, what he brings to the table, um, I don't think you can find anywhere else. He comes to work every day, plays his tail off, and you know he probably doesn't get the credit that he deserves, but that doesn't matter to him. As long as we win games, he's okay. Guys, that's George Niang. Let's go back to you. George Niang addressing the media after the Jazz get the victory. One more conversation. Let's uh, hear from Royce O'Neal after the Jazz get the victory. I seen him play better. Uh, but uh, I mean, he did a great job tonight leading the team. You know, he had a little hype moment. You know, I was the best hype man out there. As soon as he walked out the court, in timeout. Oh, I was right there. Buckets O'Neal came out like like he just got a new contract in it. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man, I'm 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 really happy for my guy, man. I'm really happy he deserves it. Um, you know, I'm not gonna stop annoying him with the uh, the money the money jokes, you know, because he's come from came a long way. We obviously came in together, um, so it means a lot, you know, not to see it, you know, it make me cry. Proud, proud father. Summer, you're not talking about me right now. I'm about you. Ah, cool. Who's buying dinner tonight? Royce. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then you got to buy dinner tomorrow. Why? Treat. That's no, not no more. Mm-mm. Strictly you. All right, we'll see. Uh, is it fair to say that you didn't think that it was too much of a battle between you and Aaron? No, nah, he's a he's a he's a solid player. Let me let's, let me start off by saying that he's really good. You know, he's he's a guy I respect. You know, it's a competitor. Um, you know, I think his energy was towards the ref at first, and then it just became basketball. Like you know, that's how I grew up playing. You know, clapping each other's face, talking young. You know, at the end of the day, we ended up playing like dinner, playing one on one for like two minutes. So uh, I was tired, but you know, it's just sometimes you just gotta go. To beat a team with 28 wins by 30 points, what does it say where this team is at right now? I think just, you know, we just had a better taste from last time we played them. Uh, we wanted to come out with a lot of energy this time. We knew it was going to be a tough game, and I think our defense, you know, led to easy offensive baskets, and we just shared the ball. You guys contained all three of their scorers tonight. I mean, just, just defensively, what was working so well? Well, when you put Royce on Malcolm Brogdon, you know, who's probably an all-star. You know, we've had, obviously, a lot of talks about it, but he's he's tough. You know, I think he had, what, five points tonight? You know, the Rudy um, guarding Sabonis the way he did. Um, Joe, Joe was on to TJ Um Those three in particular, you know, holding their holding the fort down, you know, doing their thing, you know, um, that's that's what makes us great, you know, being able to defend, to guard, to communicate. Obviously, we've had slippage in, in certain situations, but we didn't let it affect us too much. You know, like I said, I've said this before, like, you know, we played the, the uh, we've played teams and kind of let them come back. You know, there was opportunities where, you know, they could have came back. You know, they did it against Denver last night. Um, I think Denver was up like nine the whole game and they had a few mistakes. We didn't have those breakdowns, but it helps when you have three solid defenders, uh, excuse me, even beyond solid uh, defenders on and be able to contain those guys. And there was that sequence early in the third quarter where the ball was really moving mm-hmm. when everybody, everybody got it and then Boyan hit three. You guys having fun right now? It looks like you guys are playing three and having fun. We're enjoying it. You know, Mike, you're not leaving. Nice try, though. You know. <laughs> It really started with Mike and Wormus when he got that dunk. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know if y'all saw it. Mike dunked. I've never seen a 60-year-old dunk before. That was crazy. <laughs> um, but no, like I think we're just enjoying it. Enjoying, I think a lot of it is, a lot of it is just playing off instinct. You know, I think at the beginning of the year, it's when you have new guys, you know, I think we 
tend to overthink things and try to figure each other out. We know what plays are run for each other. We know where uh, everybody's going to be. You know, at the end of the day, we had what 22 turnovers tonight, and we still won by the, that amount. That just shows, you know, a lot of our turnovers really just off of being unselfish. You know, it wasn't like a lot of one-on-one or stuff. It was trying to find the right guy, and I think that's we'll take that uh, any day. How important is this next stretch for you guys? Is it kind of a pull? Huge. I think you know the biggest question right now is with us is can we, you know, continue to win against teams over 500 or teams like you know they're some of contenders. You know, I think this is a big step tonight. You know, but at the end of the day, we're taking it game by game. We're not going to over, overlook anybody. We're not going to we uh, approach it differently. We're just going to approach the way we have been and try and you know continue to be aggressive. You know, teams are going to come at us. You know, us with us playing the way we're playing, but we got to be ready for it. And I think we everybody's kind of locked in. Who's winning the three-point contest on this team right now? Got a lot of them. Royce, you're yeah, you're up yeah. there, man. I'm definitely taking myself, but. I'm, Let's just, just, come on, you got Joe. Let's Joe or Broyan. George might be up there. George, don't George. don't talk trash to George. Then he might win every single time. You know, he'll let you know where he's from. You know, <laughs> say like, I'm from Boston. You know, that whole little. He's really not from Boston. He's from Massachusetts. But those three, yeah, Royce is up there. No offense, bro, but like I've seen I've seen Joe outshoot Kyle at times. Don't tell Kyle I said that. I mean, I sh- outshot Kyle last year a couple of times. No, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. I love you, Kyle. We don't play them again. Guys, that's Donovan Mitchell and Royce O'Neal. Let's go back to you. Royce O'Neal and Donovan Mitchell addressing the media. And Royce O'Neal obviously coming off the news of his four-year contract extension. They'll pay him in the range of $36 million. Big night for him. Big night for the Jazz. Final score, 118-88. to Jazz back in action tomorrow as they take on the Golden State Warriors on the road. And you'll hear it all right here on the Utah Jazz Radio Network at 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. There's the best of the postgame show as the Jazz take down the Pacers. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.